You are listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And it's time for another tradition here at Noise Extra. It's our Christmas episode, although not, not exactly. Well, both Christmas and Solstice episode, I guess now. I was going to say, specifically, it is the Winter Solstice episode as this comes out on the Winter Solstice. And we thought, what more perfect of a release to discuss than Coil Winter Solstice. And it seems crazy that, you know, we haven't discussed Coil yet. We haven't done a Coil album yet. And there's multiple bands and artists that we all love and hold dear that we haven't done albums on yet for various reasons, whether or not it's, you know, wanting to do an interview, getting the right research, doing it at the right time. And in a way, I find it to be cool that we're doing this Winter Solstice EP first for Coil, as opposed to one of the quote-unquote, big ones. Love, Secret Domain, Scatology, Horse Rotivator, Music to Play in the Dark. It feels like, oh, if we were going to do Coil, we would, that we would probably do one of those for our first Coil episode. But no, I think doing this EP is a really interesting, cool way to break the Coil seal. You got to ease into it, I guess, is what it is. And this is, this is maybe that. This is a nice introduction. This is an interesting sort of transitionary phase for Coil when they started recording these in in 1997. And, you know, they'd done uh, Blacklight District, Thousand Lights in a Darkened Room, and Worship the Glitch, the Coil versus Elf. But this sort of paves the way for music to play in the dark. This is a lot of what we hear on these EPs is definitely the formative groundwork for what would sort of happen on music to play in the dark, the techniques they learned, the processing they were using, a lot of the type of sounds that they were drawn to at that time, I think came more to light here than in any of the previous work. I absolutely agree. But before we dig into this winter solstice EP, Gray, what have you been checking out? Well, to harken back to an episode from, gosh, just about a year ago, right? The Excelsis, a Dark Noel compilation on mm, oh yeah. Project Records. And interesting takes on holiday tunes by the Project lineup. And it's a it's an awesome one to just kind of set the mood around the oh house. Yeah. I know this is a Connolly favorite. This is like no oh yeah. news yeah, to you guys. But it's, uh, it's certainly rearing its head here around the Holger household as well and still been doing a lot of sort of late night reading and a friend of mine recommended to me these two CDs that flew under my radar by David Tibet. There were solo CDs from a couple years ago, Fairlith and Fontalautis, I believe they're called. And two really nice things. I think they're also available on vinyl. I grabbed the CD copies uh, and I've just, I've just been throwing them on. Anytime I need it to sound nice in my house. And they actually fit the winter vibe as well. So two 20-minute-ish pieces on each disc. And nice atmospheric 
drone work, slight hints of not melody, but harmonic drone, I guess. And yeah, really, really enjoyable and on deck, but I have not pulled it out yet because it's not quite the time. But when you're hearing this episode, I'm certain that I will have listened to Diaz Natalis Invicti Solis, the live bait compilation from a couple years ago, which is also centered around the solstice. Oh, cool. And as Iron Destiny just released a new cassette, Hordes of Hell, I have been listening to the first Iron Destiny self-titled cassette a lot as well. Very good 90s style, like Loki Foundation heavy electronics work. You know, great. It's ironic that you mentioned that comp because I, uh, first of all, I love it. But, you know, maybe maybe we can talk about theories around the ceremony of Natalis Solis Invictus, maybe on the after. And on, on the extra segment the extra sounds segment. good. Some more solstice talk on the extra segment today. But Gray, we also have been keeping the spirit alive over here and in a drony way. Cause one thing we pulled out that we always do around this time of year. Tara, what would that be? Kevin Drum Tannenbaum. So although great. I do it's not under our tree this year, which we generally do put it under the tree. We have a a very noisy Christmas tree. Yeah, our tree is mostly mostly special packaging, though. I mean, we have the the addition with the two tapes and the bit of garland, but yeah, it's actually just over in the listening pile. So sometimes it ends up. You over have there. a tree. You don't need ornaments. Try special packaging releases. Cassettes fit on there too. Absolutely, <laughs> and I always feel this is something to listen to around winter, and I bet Gray will agree. And that would be Moon Lay Hidden Beneath the Cloud. Specifically, Smell of Blood But Victory has been heavily played around here. What a fantastic album that is. I could listen to it any day. Mm-hmm. It's one of those sort of desert island records for me, I think. Uh, the Kevin Drum Tannenbaum, you know, it's been a while since I pulled that one out. I mean, it came out a decade ago, but it would be nice to throw it on. So I think I may well do that here you absolutely should going with some end of the year recommendations that was nice hearing from listeners but then as well as just talking with people in this past week mm-hmm. one release that was recommended uh from a listener or two as well as just in person is agonal lust motivated by malice and that's a great just Great power electronics, electronic, heavy, some great minimal parts, just some great filth. It's a great, filthy release. Uh, really dug that. The, well, around here, you know how this household feels about Moosehead. And Moosehead has a collab split kind of a combo with Vincent Dallas. And we were listening to that. We we just gotten that right before the recording of the end of the year episode. It would have been on there had we gotten yeah, around to it. Yeah, we hadn't quite it. heard it yet. The Moosehead sticker would also be on the end <laughs> of the year list. One of my favorite stickers Because it is a year. perfect sticker. Yes. And fully, fully fits our taste. Going with some pure noise because it was called for. Pull out some haters and pull out the Totemorphous CD. 
which is a really cool, strange one. A lot of weird silence on that one. And then the noise, just classic. Have you been thinking about the Totimorphos since then? I mean, I've mostly been thinking about the winter solstice and thinking about the house in Chiswick that it was recorded in. But uh, thinking about the Totimorphos is a wonderful thing to do as well. And then make sure you write it down, though. Yeah, absolutely. You got to track it. Every time you do it. And then in the reading side of things, as Gray's been listing a lot of books he's been reading, we've been opening a few up ourselves, rounding out this year. And <laughs> finally cracked a book. Hey, you know, we learned, we took reading lessons, and we're, we're able to do it now. You know, we can actually do it. But a book that we really have been enjoying is the Safety Propaganda Conceptual Manifesto for Psychological Warfare by Adam Lair. Just came out, a 200-point manifesto that is absolutely fantastic, and I highly recommend everyone checking it out. Would you agree, Tara? Yeah. Would you agree, Gray? Got a copy of it here, and I would agree. Uh, Yeah, great stuff. Been reading William Gay's Provinces of Night and really enjoying that. I've, I've probably everyone tired of hearing me rave about this guy's books, but I've been enjoying them a lot lately. And that's the one I'm finishing up right now. But you reminded me, I also listened to something off of the year end recommendations from our listeners. And that was the call bearer drugs in heaven on Fusty, mm. which is really great. That's when one that. I've been playing it a lot, but I've been playing it a lot late at night and again, while reading and just sort of soaking it in. And it's a perfect atmosphere for that. You know, it was on our end of the year list are, you know, put out by our friend Jim Harris. And I feel I, I need, we need to get to it this week. Cause he specifically said like, I, I think you guys would really like this one. And it's, 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 I can see it. It's sitting there in the stack of CDs that we still need to get to. And will happen. It's, you know, I'm giving it a pre-vote, but I will have to admit that we haven't cracked it yet. I'm glad to hear that you did. I know we heard it on some end of the year. Sometimes you have to save something to look forward to. Hey, savings account, you know, always, it's always good to have a savings account, but it's time to crack that account and check out that CD because multiple trusted allies have said it is a thumbs up disc. So I feel like my stack of CDs that need to be listened to could be seen from space. (laughs) <laughs> our stack of CDs we have two stacks I'm looking at them right now that can definitely be seen someone recently space. came over who had never been here and they were like I've never seen this many CDs in a home it's <laughs> <laughs> like oh wow thank you there's more than you can just see <laughs> right I want to show them yeah they're so, hidden they're hidden <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. two rows deep are you really impressed two and now? three rows <laughs> it's wild but so yeah been a great listening couple weeks as well as gearing up for this episode so really it's been a ton of coil and specifically this era of coil Mm -hmm. the later 90s in up through the more the last recording yeah it's really got my head in the clouds yes and i'm really excited that like i said that this is the first one we're talking about because it's gotten me in a really good zone to round out the year and I wanted to start with a excerpt from the Coil Manifesto, The Price of Existence is Eternal Warfare. 
Hallucination is the truth our graves are dug with. Coil is compulsion, urge and construction. Dead letters fall from our shedding skin. Kabbalah and chaos, Thanatos and Thelema, archangels and antichrists, open and close, truth and deliberation, traps and disorientation. I think that's a great setting to begin our discussion on Coil. I've also been digging into, of course, previous Coil releases and these, this whole series as a whole, of which Winter Solstice is the the final piece right. to that puzzle. Generally collected as Moon's Milk in four phases. So if you are looking for all of these EPs, you can find them that way. Although I don't think there's been a proper reissue of them. Well, you know, it's been for the past handful of years, it feels like almost every Coil album or unreleased album or or live show, et cetera, has been either getting reissued or coming out for the first time. But th- these EPs haven't gotten that treatment yet, which is one of the other reasons I thought it, it was interesting to discuss this because so much discussion has is out there right now, especially with Music mm-hmm. Can Play in the Dark. Love Secret Domain was that this year or last year that got the multiple uh, special. There's a Wax Tracks version, the Infinite Fog version. There's there's sort of a lot of Love Secret Domains, and I think they came out in different years or nearby. Uh, you know, like the, it's there's a lot of Coil out there. There's a lot of Coil reissues out there, which is great. They're getting they're getting you know uh, a lot of. They become very accessible to a lot of people, uh, which yeah. it wasn't necessarily at this time, but the stuff is is getting out there. Yeah, exactly. And it seems again, we don't we're not here. We don't know the ins and outs or a, a lot of the behind the scenes on how these how those reissues do work, especially with the two main members no longer being with us anymore. But it seems that whoever the other main member on said release is the one maybe heading that up. I'm not exactly sure how that all works, but these still haven't gotten that treatment. And yeah, Gray, like you said, they were collected in the moon's milk CD, but this, this one was also a seven inch. Were the other ones also seven inches and then expanded to longer EPs? They were all seven inches and, and CDs. Uh, Right. In my memory, they came out at the same time, but I could be wrong. I was, I was buying these as they came out. Um, right. And it, to, to my recollection, they came out at the same time, but it might've been slightly later this or that, you know, or slightly before with the way vinyl pressing can work sometimes. Uh, for instance, I know this one was supposed to come out at the end of 1998, but actually got released in January of 99. So, so then that means they weren't released together because Summer Solstice was released on June of 1998. No, and no, no. They, they were released on their on their dates, but or around that. But they the the vinyl and the CD being released together. Got you. I did think you meant all four. I will say it was I did unclear. think you meant yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came out on their respective dates or as close to as they could. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, can we discuss the concept behind this series of moon's milk specifically when they were recorded because they each do contain us an imprint of the date they were recorded uh which is on their specific solstice uh so or equinox so for example this episode's coming out on wednesday december 21st and at 1 47 p.m pacific standard time it will be our Northern Hemisphere winter solstice. 
And the subtitle of this EP is North. And why is that, Tara? Because they are experiencing the solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. So it's slightly different than if it was in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. The seasons are backwards. Exactly. Well, a lot of information, you know, there's a lot of coil interviews out there. There's a lot of coil information out there. But we were rereading the England's Hidden Reverse book by David Keenan that came out in the early 2000s, I believe has a repress now. There's a repress from Strange Attractor, and uh, Keenan really outdid himself with this book. There is so much information if you want to know about Coil, Current 93, and Nurse with Wound. Lots of interviews, interviews with people you wouldn't expect. He gathered information from mm. so many places. It's, uh, it's, it's a great read. It's so cool. From the book, Chapter 11 specifically, A Lunar Ascension, I'd like to read the background on the Moon's Milk series. By 1997, Coil were feeling the moon's pull. They regularly took nocturnal walks along the Thames, crossing the fields as they headed for Hammersmith Bridge, while the Heathrow Airport traffic screamed overhead. Their nighttime jaunts made them conscious of just how tidal the Thames was, its movements closely mirroring the phases of the moon. The return of Balance's lunar obsession, combined with a series of lucid dreams, prompted Coyle to do something that reflected the dreams and feelings generated by their nocturnal ramblings through the city. They decided on a series of EPs, each recorded at the exact time of the solstice or equinox, thereby formally enshrining an already well-established working practice. For Coyle, these were special liminal times, where channels were briefly open between this world and the next. The concept might have been a fairly arbitrary peg on which to hang a new project, but they were careful not to desecrate tr tradition. If the solstice took place exactly at 8.06 in the morning, then that's where they'd start. They'd work over what they got at a later date, eventually completing the track the next year. Eventually, the series, Moon's Milk in Four Phases, they programmed the, the sessions so as to allow them almost no time to think or over-intellectualize the project. Founded on real-time improvisations, Balance came up with most of the Moon Milk lyrics on the spot, stringing together fragmented images from whatever he sang off the top of his head. Once again, they were tapping the stream of unconsciousness that had animated their early records. So a really great idea and fitting with Coil. I'd certainly, mm -hmm. they would use a lot of these ideas throughout their entire work, but to really hone it in and be very specific about how they're going to do this is a really great framework. Yeah, to set up their concept and and stay with it. So around this time, you know, Coyle had done Love's Secret Domain. That's 91, 92. And they were working on what was supposed to be the follow-up for Love's Secret Domain, being backwards on Reznor's label, on nothing. And while those sessions have maybe some of the most, to me, some of the most confusing sessions in like anyone's discography, <laughs> like I'm so confused as to what was what, they weren't necessarily getting anywhere with that. Yeah, I think they were really unhappy with the initial sessions and kept reworking them and manipulating them and trying to salvage them. And so we have two sort of versions of backwards now, right? There's backwards and then there's the new backwards, but there's also an early demo version of that stuff that was floating around out there from a cassette tape. That was like the backwards demo. So 
there's a lot of backwards out there that you can uh, track down if you want. And some great and confusing and weird songs and some stuff that wound up on other things or reimagined. But I think Coil is all about reinterpreting and reimagining both what the band is and what their songs are. If you look at any of the live performances, especially like I'd mentioned in a few episodes ago, the recent live stuff that that Paul Sandra has been putting out and hearing how they would continue to sort of reinvent their sound or what the band, the band was. I mean, it was constant. Like the band was ever changing with the only being really the core lineup of Peter Christopherson and John balance and bringing in new and different people for many different projects, starting a new band. They did black light district, which was conceptualized as a separate band, although still coil presents, right. And always embracing sort of the technology and the, the tools that they would have at hand. So it it makes sense that there was a lot of tinkering and messing with going on. Uh, I think it's been said that the the studio was really Sleazy's instrument. And you, you see that in a lot of the coil. There's so much weird processing and production and unusual sounds. And especially at this time, one of the things that I really like about this sort of late nineties coil is that they were using a lot of sort of common sounds, but lots of them. So everything is really weird. Like you'll hear some flanger and some phaser and some like stereo panning on this and some sort of weird glitch processing, but because it's all of these sounds, instead of someone just using one of them on something, it makes this incredibly weird sonic. I don't want to use the word stew. <laughs> jumble that is really enveloping and can pull you into hearing all these little different details and the little ways things are done on these records. And like I said, I think that this is a, a big stepping stone to what would become music to play in the dark. The the mm. type of production here is definitely a step up from love secret domain. It's a much different thing than even the like backwards demo stuff you can hear and the sort of associated things. And I think actually worship the glitch, which I was also listening to recently uh, in preparation for this is one of those areas where you start to hear them really diving into sort of extreme psychedelic processing without the usual sort of coil content. There's some weird melodies, but that material is so spare and minimal and focusing heavily on just electronic processing. And at this point, the band is Peter and John and Drew McDowell and Bill Breeze on viola. And that's an interesting group for making these EPs too, right? So there's viola on all these tracks, something that we haven't really heard on a lot of coil before this. And I think Drew had an interest in modular and was working with modular already at that time. So there is, uh, there's definitely a synth heavy vibe to parts of it. Although this feels strangely organic with the electronics. It's incredibly organic. Mm -hmm. And yes, the, the strings are really prevalent. They're especially prevalent on autumn equinox. The, the, the last, almost the entire thing is this a beautiful string 
section. And and kind of like you're saying, Gray, Coyle would constantly be going back on tracks, going back on ideas, going back on lyrics. Whereas, for example, the the first lyric on A White Rainbow or the main lyric on A White Rainbow, the first track, the main lyric on A White Rainbow, the first track on the EP is Moon's Milk Spills from My Unquiet Skull and Forms a, right, a White Rainbow. And the moon, moon's, milk for, moon's Milk Spills from My Unquiet Skull is from the first EP, right? So they're constantly doing that. And then also to note is, is the first hearing of Amethyst Deceivers, which would basically become one of their staple songs. Mm-hmm is seen in these EPs, the very first, the beginning of that track. Yeah. The use of repetition also, I mean, a lot of these lines are repeated throughout the song. So, or one of the things that I have always loved that balance does with his lyrics is where he'll change these verses in weird mutated ways by substituting in a word that has a similar sound, but obviously different meaning. It it adds a lot to his lyrical context. I also think his vocal performance on these tracks is uh, sort of above what we hear on the earlier coil work. He'd, I mean, by the time we get to something like ape of Naples, you can hear, he can, he can really sing. And on this, he's definitely, he's definitely doing that too, but there's also nice spoken vocals and just a lot of different coil techniques, I guess, on display here. Uh, when we look at something like magnetic North, the third piece, Almost every line is repeated twice throughout that song in right after itself, right? And it's an interesting way to reinforce those ideas. And Coyle does that. They they continue to reinforce the ideas that they've been expressing. Having William Breeze involved in these recordings is certainly influential because whereas Coyle is always inspired by the esoteric and by metaphysical things, these definitely have sacred music properties. Because when you go for, you know, moments in our solar year and in the orbit of our planet and the inner workings of the moon, the earth and the sun, and using those pivotal times that have have been important to modern peoples, to ancient peoples, and are just you know, something that is present through all of our humanity. I think that they're they're elevating it and, and they're making this more of a, a sacred statement and not so much a stylistic statement. And and I think that's what's just so remarkable about the entire, you know, moon's milk sessions. Um, like even something like the concept of a white rainbow, like like thinking of of him walking or or just being a human being walking and noticing the cycle of the moon and looking up and, you know, a white rainbow can be, I don't know what was intended in the track, but it's, it's a a halo or a rainbow made by the glow of the moon. And how impressive is that being a human when you look up at the sky in wonderment, and especially let's say you're under the influence of hallucinatory drugs. Let's say you are, you know, enhanced in some way and you are wanting to open your third eye, you're wanting to open yourself, you want to connect to some higher power than yourself. I mean, what a profound statement that this is making. It's like a, a merger of 
you know, humans and night and the spirit and chaos and, and all of those things that I think really inspire us in Coil, other than just the sound, it's, you know, it's the the thought behind it and and almost, you know, the the magical practices that are involved. And and certainly William Breeze is is heavily involved in like OTO and um, Gnostic practices. Together they they are doing something that's quite elevating. And yeah, William Breeze was someone who would be would have a great impact on them. And, you know, he was, like you said, Tara, very much involved in OTO. And he went to see Current 93 because the head of the Tiny Tin fan club invited him to go see a Current 93 concert at Union Chapel. And earlier that day, he was hanging out with Jimmy Page and then went to see Current 93. So this is the world that mm-hmm. he was involved in. And, yeah. and Tibet says that Balance introduced him to Breeze So and and that Breeze met, Breeze introduced Kenneth Anger to David Tibet. So just th- that entire world of these this magic OTO Crowley Kenneth Anger mm-hmm. you know they're all coalescing especially this time and, and that's you know especially in this this group of people Coil and, and Current 93 you know they were always deeply involved in that stuff and they're looking for somebody to connect with on on a spiritual level you know as well as as on the artistic plane exactly so his contribution to these EPs is really incredible and yeah this I mean this first track the, the just the atmosphere is set right away. The dark skies. I'm seeing Christmas lights because we have them on in here. Mm. Just any sort of glowing light in the dark winter sky. Snow, moon's milk. Absolutely set right in the first minute of this EP. It's also, the, you know, the viola is very present. There's also like sort of choral sounds. And the layers of vocals and different processing that are used on right. John's voice mm-hmm. are also really nice where there's sort of a call and response in parts and the, the different use of processing gives it even a more dimensional feel to it. And then partway through, we get this sort of kind of strange rhythm. And again, this sort of foreshadows music to play in the dark I feel before it goes completely off the rails at the end yeah it gets super chaotic and but it 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 gets there but it it starts out with these vocals that are just so at the forefront and 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 channeled you know I mean I, I don't know if that is the word he used but if you're looking for somebody who's doing trying to open their mind to the words that are flowing through them. You know, they're seemingly channeled and they are really gorgeous, but, but austere and sparse. Um, and when it's paired with in gray, you heard the coral. And I didn't know if that was like roses, uh, vocals that are going through some processing and, and underneath, but really using that and, and just the imagery of, of the, stark white moon all of these white things so we have a lunar ascension columns of air a bleached beach skeletons clattering at midday the pull of the moon the moon's milk spilling from an unquiet skull like all of these you know white images appearing in darkness you know the the bright 
you know, white spark of something appearing in the void. And, and I think it's really an impactful image that that's being provided. And, and I can't imagine this with any different lyrics than, than what they are, because they really are staggering. And this is really going to be the time when Coil deconstruct music and deconstruct Coil. And like we keep saying, becomes the final chapter in Coil, what what end up will be their final era, really. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of the beginning. I mean, like you said, the Worship of the Glitch is before this. So Astral Disaster also is coming out around this time, which is another strange turn for a Coil Great album, but still not. It's it's again really preceding what's going to happen. It's sort of a sort of an in between release. Uh, very cool, obviously, but it's just when they really hit on this and when they really hit on Balance's new approach to vocals. And if I'm not mistaken, I had always I'd heard that he went he took voice lessons mm -hmm. for a while to get to that point where he could do this, and especially. To the point of Ape of Naples, which is some of the absolutely most beautiful songs. Yeah, just breath control, vocal but control. I was talking with someone today about this. Who else sounds like this? And especially at this time, it's really something totally different than anything that's really happened. Even, you know, their contemporaries like Current 93. This, is, this isn't that. This is something totally different. Yeah, it really is. I mean, they were trying to push what they were and, and make a new sort of music. I feel like they were always trying to do that. I mean, even Definitely. when you look at something mm -hmm. like Love Secret Domain, oh yeah, while there are influences and things that have come in, it doesn't sound like anything else. There's not another no, I, record I'd put alongside it of like, oh, you like this? This is exactly like that. You're going to, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, and I think their objectives were just there there were so many objectives all all in play like being inspired by Lamont Young and the dream chord and trying to find a chord that would make you go into a hypnotic state or even looking for something to describe um you know the ineffable and and especially other hallucinatory hallucinatory states of of consciousness i, I just i think that their goals weren't necessarily to, you know, have a, a verse and a chorus and a song, but it, but they were goals that were more centered on something that can jar you deeper. And I think that was their issue with backwards because they were almost working in those parameters or were trying to. And I think they were getting stuck and frustrated in attempting to do that. So when you get to something like the Solstice series moving forward, you really get, are getting where their heads are at. And this is from Drew McDowell talking about the recording of the series. We recorded the whole Solstice series upstairs at the top of the house in Chiswick. There was a tiny window up there and we could see out over the park as we played. Balance was directing the sessions. But he wouldn't use musical directions. He would describe an atmosphere and an idea that he wanted us to express in sound. Still, the whole session is a blur to me. All I can really recall is a warning from the sun where the whole room was just bleeding with noise. And William Breeze also has some memories of the sessions. He says, Every one of the sessions was different. 
Balance sometimes had definite ideas, and he had either already indicated them through earlier tracks or did so semi-verbally. He's very telepathic to work with. Sleazy is a brilliant musician in the studio, which, which is his instrument, really, as Gray pointed out earlier. And as a product, and as a producer, he makes one very comfortable. The track Moon's Milk was a first or maybe second take. I don't think there's overdub viola in that. Though it sometimes sound like, sounds like it is, as there's a great deal of double stopping, playing two note chords while bowing. They had already recorded the vocal drones, so it was a question of fitting in. So just a couple indications of how these things were recorded and similar to probably how it feels like they were recorded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> semi-telepathically, semi-verbally, semi- Intuitively. Exactly. It's and, a total intuitive and, recording. And yeah, when you get that really chaotic end to A White Rainbow, and it sort of almost defies what preceded it. But then it leads us into the next track, North. So it, it, it sort of is negating some of the stuff that happened, but then that's almost the winter storm, right? Sometimes there's mm -hmm. the calm, and then sometimes there's a storm, and then sometimes things slow down again, and the snow is still glistening, and the stars and the snowflakes are mixing, so you can't tell which is which. And that's how we come to the second track, North. And it really takes you in with, with this swirl, you know, it, it tumbles brightly out of the white rainbow and you have that double helix, you have a coil, you have a spiral, you have this repetitive sound that brings you into a ritual. And I think that those heavy bass chords come in and they are quite hallucinatory. And then when you first hear the vocals, they're hidden in snow you almost can't tell that there's vocals at first yeah there's yeah. just what these, is this? something that's hidden under the snow and it keeps getting snowed on so it's becoming more and more obscure but at a certain point the wind comes and blows away a little bit of that snow and all of a sudden you realize that balance has been doing lyrics for longer than you even thought <laughs> i love the way that sort of creeps in and hallucinatory, I think, is the right word. And also the way that these pieces sort of build and especially north where it does set on easily and just creep into your consciousness. And there's something about that sort of delayed, glitched, stuttering kind of melody rhythm thing that's happening here where it gives the piece a rhythmic cadence. But it's it's not necessarily a rhythm driven piece, you know. Hmm. and the other thing you realize is, is that there's maybe one line two lines of lyrics it's him repeating and repeating over and over maybe changing a word that's very hard to make out because of the processing because of where it sits in the mix that just keeps sort of drawing you in trying to hear these things but the the vocals the lyrics aren't changing much, but that's because there's a lot of subtle and weird changes happening in the music as it continues to sort of, it's very repetitive, but it's also constantly evolving. And, and, you know, and that repetition is very ritualistic and it seems as though the lyrics are the black dog has no owner. This black dog has no odor. 
could be something different. But again, if you want to relate everything to the moon, which I'm sure they do, um, there is the Chinese concept of Qian Go, which is the black dog that eats the moon or the sun during an eclipse. Uh, and then you also have that, you know, Native American concept of the dog that spilled a pail of milk and ran across the sky and created the Milky Way. So, you know, you have that black dog that is linked with the night sky, that is linked with the moon and linked with, you know, all of the esoteric imagery that they're calling, they're invoking during this process. Yeah, this is a really great track. And this was not on the seven inch version, correct? This would, the second and third tracks, North and Magnetic North, are the tracks that are on the full EP. That's correct. And the White Rainbow and the fourth track, Christmas is Now Drawing Near, are the seven inch mm -hmm. version. So this is part of the overall extended look at a winter solstice. Although when I think of this release magnetic north stands out to me in part because of the the cover for this one which is easily the most colorful in the series yeah. where the others mm -hmm. featured just sort of a single color and this repeating wheel design but this is a colorful track the the electronics it's the only way i can describe them it's just it's an explosion of colorful electronics oh with, yeah and you know what that shape is on the cover it's um you know it it can be many things, but generally that's the shape of a rose window that's used in stained glass in Gothic imagery, um, which ties into that thing that's constantly used, which is the rose. In addition to it being the rose window, it represents the, you know, the, the wheel of time, the sun wheel. And this particular rose window, this wheel, has the 12 cells inside of it so you know you can look and get different shapes that have different esoteric meanings but 12 is associated with the apostles but 12 is also associated with many sacred geometries dating back to sumer which is on a base 60 system um where where 12 and 60 are a sacred sacred number of, of babylon as well so many many esoteric important archetypes in effect on that cover well with magnetic north Winter's luster is glowing in the darkness, glowing from all horizons. Tones shimmer on top of other tones. And John Balance says, red rose filling the skull. So we have our rose, we have our magnetic north, and we have the luster, the glow, the shimmer. Gray, you're absolutely spot on. This invokes the colors of the cover. Yeah, I mean, lyrically, there's obviously a theme of it, but even without that, just on hearing it, you you feel that explosion of color. But all of the different lines are referring to blue sapphire, deep ruby red, red rose, yellow cube, silver moon, right, white winged globe. The the colors are there, fully in theme, and balance is speaking these lines. And again, this is the track where the lines are mostly repeated twice for everything really driving the point home but also there's this processing on the vocals that is under them that is completely different from sort of the more clean or at least traditionally processed spoken vocals the balance is doing and it adds so much detail and fills out the sound to these that I, one of the things that i really 
enjoy about this is the layers of processing where it's not just the process vocal. There's a nice, fairly raw and upfront vocal you can pay attention to, but then there's this, this other sort of spectral voice under it. And it's, it's a very coil thing to do, I guess. And it keeps constant interest in everything he's saying and just listening to either of those vocals. Like you listen to one line and you pay attention to, in the initial the initial iteration of it the the main vocal and then when he repeats it maybe pay attention to the the more processed version under it just picking out those sounds and how they how they differ yeah this uh, really hitting on what they're going to be doing from here on out and just pure atmosphere this track feels effortless it feels that it just exists Kind of like what William Breeze was saying, talking about recording. It just mm-hmm. feels like it was done telepathically. It's cold but warm. It's warm inside, but you're looking out into the cold. Yeah, what a what a what a centerpiece for this EP that then melts into the incredibly beautiful, oh my lord, perfect final track for the Winter Solstice EP. Christmas is now drawing near. Rose McDowell on vocals. Gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. And the layered double vocals are are so beautiful together. And I, I really think the viola on this track is is just just weepingly beautiful. So this song was originally done when they were in a group called Rosa Mundi, which is a a yeah, a very fragrant French rose, which again brings Rose's name into the mix again, those archetypal images. And Christmas is now drawing near, which had been recorded by the Watersons in 1965. It was also released on a folk music compendium where they may have heard this track initially. They were very into the Watersons. Yeah. And this was certainly obviously this whole crew got very deeply into folk yeah. 60s folk stuff earlier traditional folk stuff and frost and fire i mean what a wonderful album title and that's the watersons 65 album. right so you know from tibet's obsession with shirley collins and balance love the watersons they all did so they was all they were always mixing things things together and of course rose rose mcdowell with sorrow and yeah, Rosamundi, you know, we you know, we had discussed doing the Final Solstice 2 CD for today, and maybe that'll be next year's, who knows? But there's Rosamundi to do a track on that, and there's a, a lot of Sorrow tracks on that. So this just seemed, again, Winter Solstice and wrapping up with this song, how can we not do it for this year? And it's just, Rose's voice is perfect for this. It, Yule's glow ends perfectly on this the entire room lights up when this song really takes off yeah it is dense and beautiful and rose's voice obviously just carries the pieces it often can but there's they really knew that because (laughs) there's a point where it's practically a vocal solo and the music Mm -hmm. drops out before before of course coming back and getting sort of more and building to more dissonant towards the end of the piece. And yeah, this is a perfect song for this time of year. And, but they really captured her 
voice so perfectly. Yeah. And and they make it stand alone. And it does that thing where you remove the breath and it becomes this just disembodied ethereal entity that is that is singing to you and soothing you. And and even the line I'm sure they love like Christ is sinner's friend. Like these older folk songs that just have just such extreme concepts are always so fascinating. Well, utilizing these ideas and archetypes from all religion, folk, tales, esoteric religions, traditional religions, and mixing it all together, something that Quill does very effectively and something that artists who work in that world, utilizing all that's available to you is so much more effective than sticking with just one thing. Yeah, and, and bringing together our our, sh- our shared humanity, but also our craving for something more. Well, and it's the it's just searching. like the original coil manifesto. It's it's the contradictory, mm-hmm. right? It's it's open and it's closed. I love contradictions, and I yes. love when people play with these ideas and archetypes in different ways, mixing them with other things, and then creating something totally new it can be both simultaneously yeah two things can be true at once three things can be true at once a hundred things can be true at once (laughs) but what's certainly true is this song is a perfect way to end an incredible ep and quills eps and versions and live versions and live sets are such a massive part of their world as much as the albums proper it all builds to create this incredible world that we're still getting glimpses of whether or not it's unreleased stuff new versions or getting to revisit things as things become available again it's a band that you can just constantly Mm. look at in so many different ways it's so great i I love it when bands are self-referential you know, and a uh, huge and, fan of that. And certainly they um, incorporate that well. But I think it's because, you know, they're being self-referential of guiding principles and things that are continually of interest to them. So I thought we could end our discussion on Coil today. There'll be more for sure. But I thought we could end today with some thoughts from Sleazy himself about the music of Coil. To me, the music that we make is all to a greater or lesser extent made in an altered state of consciousness in the sense that we go into a sort of different mental place. For all I know, all composers do this, but I only have experience of myself. The headspace that you're in when you're composing music comes as a consequence of either rituals that you've been doing at the time or ideas that you've been thinking about or anything that's happened to you. What we try to do is form a certain mental idea or state or place from which the music then flows. And whether you structure it by talking about certain alchemical ideas or structure it by performing rituals before you compose or start working on it, it's all basically the same. So that was always such an important idea to Coil and certainly to all the members in their various works. And so grab this one, listen to this one, especially this week. It's the week to do it. Today is the day to do it. It is the winter solstice. We are honoring 
the wishes of Coil, making sure to discuss, think about, put this in the atmosphere for everyone today. What do you think? Yeah, you know, get get inspired by Coil. Think about concepts that spark your fancy, that delight you to the core, things that you find mystifying, things that things you that you find dark and things that you find horrifying dark, and things terrifying. Things that you can't explain and just let yourself think about them and become immersed in them and see what creative things flow from your consciousness. Go into the dark. See what happens when you come out of it. Well, I think we're going to pop over to the Patreon and discuss the solstice itself a little more over on the Patreon. Everyone, have a very Merry Christmas. Hey, patrons. We are still here. We're putting Tara on the spot. We want Tara (sighs) to tell us about these things that are unknown these things that are mysterious this thing that is called the winter solstice we will talk about that but first i was just thinking about um amethyst because we were disgusting amethyst deceivers and did you know that ancient romans would make goblets out of amethyst because they thought it had a a de-intoxicating effect So frequently people would put an amethyst in their wine to make them get drunk less fast. Or if they were super wealthy, they would have their entire goblet encrusted with amethyst. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.